Welcome to the Real People Podcast, where we use our minds to analyze matters through conversation from the positive male perspective. Here are your hosts, Doug and Twelve. So, Doug, this is episode three of the Real People Podcast. It and, is. You know, originally this was the idea for yourself that you want to do, and I was excited to just be a part of it and help you, but it turned into something great, and I'm it glad is. I could do this with you. It is. It's going to be uh, dope. And I know that this show in particular is something that's, that's been a subject of us, you know, off the grid. But uh, I kind of want to bring this to the surface today and put this focus on something that you talk about a lot, which right. is, you know, black on black relations, black on brown relations. Yeah. The way we treat ourselves, the way those relationships go. And uh, I, I kind of want you to really elaborate and touch on it. I, I kind of don't want it to just stay at our back and forth conversations. This is something right. that I think everybody needs to know about. No, I agree. You know, we went to uh, Minnesota a few weeks back to go to the Minnesota-Penn State game. And one of the things that bugged me a lot when we were out there is the way that the Somalians treat the African-Americans in Minnesota, right? But then you think about how Africans overall treat African-Americans. You think about how Hispanics and blacks and the, the, the tension that's there, right? But then you look at it from the other side of it and you realize that Caucasians, and I don't, I don't even say it's Caucasians, I say other races tend to look at us as the same thing. So it makes us look silly to sit around and be negative and, and downgrade the other one when at the end of the day, we're viewed in the same light by others. Well, what's interesting is I remember, uh, I think I remember calling you after it happened. My first experience with, uh, I classified as, I say my first experience with black on black racism, yeah. you know, not, not hate cause duh, that's always been going on. Right. That's never going to go pure away. Racism yeah. was when I was in Los Angeles, California. And I remember I went to to an African shop, and I remember looking for certain items, certain soaps, and right. certain lotions, and you know certain things that I was accustomed to because even growing up within the martial arts, mm -hmm. you know it was it was all engulfed and wrapped into the African culture with the dashikis, and you know so you know it was a part of me. I had a lot of pride in it, and I remember leaving there and speaking about my experience, and I remember speaking to my mother first, and she said, "Oh, you." I don't you didn't know that yeah. you know, in a lot of cases that uh Man. Africans, you know, have that sort of attitude towards us here. Which is crazy. And I was like, Well, where does that come from? Well, they a lot of cases they feel like we're lazy and they feel like we're privileged and they feel like and, and what I wanna be honest is from that moment I developed and, and I'm beyond in there, I developed a disdain and almost a hatred towards African culture. I went through that. You know, I really uh, did. My my immediate reaction, and I'm gonna tell you how far I took because this is how racism works, right? Right. It's hate feeding into hate. Exactly. The the fact that this person turned me off and didn't have a reason to, I found a reason to hate this person. Mm -hmm. So what I told myself was, you know, you know, I'll, I'll say excuse my language, but I really won't be frank about what I say. Like. Well, well y'all bitch ass niggas from Africa is the right. reason that we over here in America. Was y'all the ones sitting over on the sideline when the white people was wrapping us up and walking us to the boats and all that? The fact that I'm over here and you in Africa means that your bitch ass watched me and my ancestors walk through the coast. So what does that say about you and your character? And that's really the attitude that I developed. And that's the story 
that I told myself dealing with Africans for years. It's difficult, man, because when you when you come to people with genuine sincerity, and when you meet somebody, you're not asking that person. They're they're just you know they're just black. You're not asking that person, well, you know, are you from Africa? If so, if you're from Africa, what part of Africa are you from? Because that's a different beef within itself, right? Then we're separating that from not only Africans and African-Americans, but you have other nationalities that are coming at us the same way. But it hurts even worse when it's Africans on African-Americans. Well, it does. It really does. It hurts worse. It stings. It, it stings worse with us because, you know, we're taught that, you know, that that's where we're from and that's yeah. what our story is. That's so, our lineage, right. So when right. we actually try to reach out and, and try to make connections with Africans and with our African cultures and we're rejected, right. you, you can't help but to feel a certain type of way. You cannot. And, and it gets worse, bro, because that, that same mentality has now um, trickled down in, into to other things. So, for example, my wife and I were talking earlier about how um, – there are certain people around us that just hate us for no general reason, right? So I put on the 48 Laws of Power, and, and the very first rule is never outshine the master, right, in the 48 Laws of Power. The problem with, with people of color is that we're constantly trying to outshine each other. It's a problem. So if you guys are in America, we're going to find a way to downgrade you because it puts the shine back on the true African, Right. Then we get mad, which is what it just occurred with you and your situation, right? And then it goes, it goes the other direction. You see what I mean? Like you got, you didn't have no beef at all until dude came at you crooked, at all, right? So Matter of fact, I was, in, in my own way, I was reaching out to him and trusting him for his guidance, absolutely through the culture, absolutely. Please guide me to the right soap, absolutely, to the right lotions, to the right patterns, to the right, right, so I can be properly connected. And if we didn't get something, would it not make more sense to say, okay? Cause it's all travel, it's all travel. That's what that's the whole beef. So you know, we 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 got some people over here. You got some Crips, you got some Bloods, and we gonna kidnap out some Crips, and we gonna kidnap out some Bloods, and we gonna sell them. That's basically all it was. We're just prisoners of war at the end of the day. So, but that doesn't make us lesser than because of that. You see what I'm saying? The descendants of that have nothing to do with that. But that hatred and that mentality is so ingrained that it's difficult for us to shake at this point in time. It's bad now amongst all of us, bro. We're terrible towards each other. And, and what kills me is not only do we have to deal with racism on each other and people talking amongst each other, like how we are towards each other. We don't speak. We don't talk. We're aggravated all the time. But what kills me worse than anything is if I walk into a room and I see somebody black, that person is going to turn their nose up or turn around and look another direction. But if a white person walk into the room, they're going to say, hey, how you doing? How are you? They're going to change the way they talk. Yes, sir, and no, sir. They're going to switch it all the way up. Even the Grammiest of the Grammiest talk differently when that individual walks in the room. But if we walk in the room, they're going to look at us and size us up. It's terrible. I've noticed that, too. That is a horrible pattern. And uh, I've even noticed that, you know, and, and to just segue how energy is translated, right? Um, even dealing with family members or oh, yeah. other people in my past, I've seen how in situations I've seen how they might have talked to me or spoken to me with a certain tone and harshness. Yeah. But when I see them around the outside world or around other people, just as you say, I, I see another switch turn on. Right. And I see another person come out. And then, you know, I kind of wonder, like, 
can I have some of that Christmas spirit that you got for the world right. for myself? Right. But I think overall, like you said, black people, especially in the in the professional realm, a lot of these people like to guard their space, and that's the attitude that they kind of treat us it's with. It's terrible. They really don't want anybody else in the room with it's them. It's terrible. So you think about the way that African came at you. Now look how that's been ingrained. Look where we are now, and it's just as, as African-Americans, let alone how Africans are towards African-Americans. And then you look at how other races look at us and say, well, damn, if y'all do each other like that, why do I have to respect you if y'all don't respect yourselves? Truth. Well, I mean, it's part of the the culture and condition that we went through is they they taught us how to hate ourselves and they make you better. Right. And uh and, and that's what hurts is when we try to reach outside. When we try to reach outside, like I try to reach to the African to, right. to reconnect to that culture and you get rejected. It hurts. It just puts you down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it hurts. And it does cause that hatred, which like you said, I was I'm hot now. Now I don't even want to talk to you. Now I will say <laughs> that, I got an attitude. that one class of people yeah. that I've been dealing with recently that I've had success connecting with is a lot of Native American people. See, I've never had a chance to really engage. I, I would like to, seriously, because I'd love to know that history from them. Well, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of, we, we share a lot in our suffering. Yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of connection to that. Uh, we also share a lot of bloodlines with them as well. Truth. So we're also interconnected with that. But I've noticed more and more over the years, more stronger and building more bridges and connections through Native Americans, you know, than I have through uh, even through Africans or uh, through Arab tribes or uh, even um, even Caribbeans or or South America, places like that. I've, I've seen more growth and response, you know, from from that. I've never had a chance to demographic. I would love to, to to sit down and talk to to uh, any tribe or you know Indian tribe or I, mean, I don't know how you would you know how you describe how to say it properly, but I would love to sit down with them and just have a true dialogue because really when you think about it, man, it's somebody came into your country, you know, and basically took over, had y'all fighting against each other, sold y'all off. It's, you're right; it's a very similar. Kind of lineage, but the pride I think with Indian people, to me, sometimes seems to be a little different, because they still associate with their history, and as long as you're Indian, we can find a way to work it out. Especially now, because they we all got burned. I would think that'd be the mentality for Africans and African Americans. At the end of the day, we all got burned. Well, one class of people that you do have experience, more experience mm-hmm. with, I would say, would be people from uh, the Caribbean, Jamaica. Yeah, those islands, and you've been around those people a lot. Yeah. What have your relationships with them been like, and and had it, had have you seen those those cultural relationships so, play back and forth? It's funny, man, because I feel like that everybody has uh, a certain viewpoint about American people. Period. You know that we are entitled, or that we feel like we're above, right? Um. In my capacity with the way that I interacted with people from other cultures, I would say it was different because I was in a different capacity. That's all I can really say about that. I was in a different capacity. So when you're in that capacity, there's a common denominator that's there. So whether we like each other or not, there's a common denominator, which is money. Right? So that brings respect on a different level. So we don't really have those situations and those issues because we have that one common 
denominator. I got you. Do you see what I'm coming from? Yeah, it was. But if I met financial. you, it was strictly financial. So y'all was speaking one language. Everybody understood each other, right? Now, when you take that that out of the equation, I really can't tell you how we would have gotten along, or if we would have even been in the same circles. To be real honest with you, so I don't I don't really know from that standpoint. I, I do know. Um, there was a better family vibe in some cases, you know. When you like, when they when they bring you around, the family vibe is if this person in the family trusts you, then we all trust you. Although we're protective of that individual, and I think that's the same with with black families. If I come around your family and they you say, okay, Doug, you cool. Most of your family's gonna be like, okay, well, if you say he's cool. We gonna we gonna give him a shot, but we still kind of got our eye on him. It's pretty much the same thing. But then you add money to that equation. Well, now we we got something in common. I don't want to mess you up. You don't want to mess me up because this is going to mess up the common denominator at the end of the day. Well, another thing, I know we were talking about, uh, I guess, inner color racism. But another thing that I've experienced uh, with, I would classify as, I guess, Mm African-Americans is uh, I've had my struggles with black elitism. Yeah, it's a lot of that. I've had my struggles with people. It's a lot of that. Who have been in powerful and prominent positions who were uncomfortable with my growth. Right. And, and uncomfortable with my progress. You know, and uncomfortable of my cultural pride and my more Ali than Jay Z attitude that I always talk about. <laughs> You're from Louisville. But uh, <laughs> Supposed to be it, Louisville. it's amazing how, how many gatekeepers I ran across. That's a big word. Yeah, that 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 perpetuate themselves as being something positive or representing something positive, whether it be a, a group or organization or organizations or affiliations. Right. And um, I haven't really benefited. I've I've been a Man. victim more of them than I benefited from them. I think we all have. Cause you think about it, real like we come from a, a music background, right? How many people, and, and 12, you remember this, like going all the way back. How many people did we meet along those roads that had something that they felt like you had to pay for? How many people? Now, this could be something as simple as I got a cousin that got a cousin that knows somebody that knows somebody that got a connection with, that hung around with Damon Dash. And I'm going to hook you up with that brother for $500. Be honest. <laughs> How many times did we run into people that had those things? Right? Be honest. It's a billion of them out there. Everything we do, man, we sell it for profit. Instead of feeding each other and helping each other grow, we turn every piece of knowledge into profit. That's crazy. And everything shouldn't be profitable. It's going to be profitable regardless. If this person's eating and I teach you how to eat, then we're winning as a culture. You know but most the, people don't look at things compound, that way, bro. They don't. On, to compound on what you're saying. Yeah. It's even beyond a profit. It's turned into a hustle. That's the better word. Because if it uh, uh, it could be for profit and everybody gain, but it turned yeah. into a hustle. It's a one-way business deal. Yeah. It's a win-lose. I feel like a, a hustle is a win-lose business deal. Absolutely. When you get hustled. Absolutely. One person, one person wins, the other person didn't get what was promised. Man, how many times do we go to them shows? I'm using music because it's easy for people to relate to music, Right. So we would go to these little things, these uh, these these seminars, right? And it'd be three A and R's, 
that come to Louisville and you pay $100 and you get to do your rap in front of an A&R with the hope of signing a record deal, right? Now, we are friends with one of the only people who actually even got remotely close to having a real record deal come from one of them seminars, right? But each one of them A&Rs got paid $1,000, $1,500. I'm not knocking that. I'm not dissing that. That's, you got to make your money. You got to get here. You got to do your thing, right? So there's a black promoter. There's black A&Rs. There's black talent by the bundle, right? Each one paying $99, and you came back to Louisville four or five times within a year. And one person that we can actually think of ever got remotely close to a record deal. It started off with good intention, and then it turned into a hustle. You see what I mean? That's what it was. It's the same mentality with everything we do, man. Instead of looking at that group and saying, if I can come to Louisville and tap into this untapped market, just saying, all black A&Rs with all black talent, how much more could I get out of that? But instead, I'm going to come down there and hit the lick. And then I'm going to go to another city and hit the lick. And out of all these cities I go to and hit the lick, I'm going to sign one or two people that ain't going to never go nowhere. So what have you really done? What did you accomplish with that? And see, that's the hustle side. And on, and on my side, a lot of my experience from black elitism is, and you know, and, and I'll be truthful about what I'm going to say, but I'm not going to say this person's name. Um, one of the people, you know, from my hometown, who's known for being, you know, a sales manager and, and being black and being one of the only mm-hmm. in his lane and being revered and loved by a lot of people was the biggest career thorn in my side. Yeah. He 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 threw himself in my way so many times and sabotaged situations in my life to where I've succeeded even with the same company despite yeah. this man, not because of in any way. Well, you too talented. D- despite of it's it's beyond that. It. It's it's yeah. it's not a me thing, Doug. It's but not it, a but me it, thing. but it is though, Doug, because you think of it like this: you have the skills to be able to take his job. It, that's the, it all goes back well, to the same the thing, bro. It me, all does. The only reason I ain't going to say it's me because I'm not the only one that experienced what? discrimination of black elitism. No, that's true. But I'm just saying in this particular situation, though, let's look at that in your situation. In your situation, because everybody has a different story, but in your particular situation, people are always intimidated by the man that can take their job. That's the difference between managers and leaders. If you're a manager, you manage people to do tasks. That's what you're good at. Do this, do this, do this, do that. But if you're a leader, you see somebody like you and go, I can grow that person. But most of us don't look at that. What we worried about is if you come along, you might take my job. So the elitism forms out of fear that you're going to come along and take my spot. So instead of me going, you know what, bro? I see that you know how to do all of this and you can run all of this. What he saw was he can do all this. You know how to run all this. So if you can do all this, what they need me for? That's the difference between managers and leaders. That's what creates elitism because people are worried about getting knocked off their pedestal. So what they do is they push you down. Yeah, it definitely crabs in a barrel. That's what it is. It's that mentality. That's what causes elitism, bro. The, the ability to separate me from you and to say that I'm better than you for this particular reason, Dang. even if I'm not. Even if I'm not. I got money. Does that make you a better person? Nope. I know a lot of people that got bread and they dicks. 
And that's just being honest. We all do. I know very few people that got pockets that are good people, that are still humble. Not the ones who done got tired of getting burnt. I get that. But there comes a point in time where you just turn into a, a dick. That's it. And then you start looking down on your people, which I can understand how you could feel that way. But instead of looking down on them, you might not be able to give money to every person that comes to you, but I'm going to show you how to get this bread. How often does that happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of a lot of them circles. It's, man, there's so many of them, man. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a Greek. And I'll be honest with you. And you speak on Greek, I mean, black elitism. I'm a Greek. I see within my own organization at times where I struggle with that. Because I feel like that we look down on people within our own organizations and we should not do that. If we all were the same thing, then we should get that love. Now, we may go a different path on how we got there, which I respect that. But I'm going to never down you and downplay you. You know what I mean? It just means, it means we went a different path. That's all it is. But it's another way to say, well, if I call you a civilian, well, why would I call you a civilian when we all black males? The only difference between me and you is I joined the organization when I was in college. Doesn't mean I'm above you. It just means I'm in this organization. Yeah. But let me tell you the good parts about this so we can grow it. And that's what's crazy because yeah. from an outside who's not part of them organizations, yeah. I feel like Jack and Jill is really sitting up on that hill looking down on us. It, it, I feel you. I feel you. I do. I feel you. You know, and, and I'm aware. I feel you. And uh, I'm going to continue to be successful despite that attitude. I just yeah. wish it wasn't like that. And it's, it's, it's truth. And you and I have this conversation a lot, right? Because, I, you know, being a member of an organization, I'm not going to put all that on blast, but being a member of an organization, there were times to where I'll be honest, I felt more brotherhood when I was gangbanging. I'll be honest. Damn. Because of the fact of everybody earned their stripes or whatnot, but at the end of the day, we all rolled together. And we wasn't going to let nobody else come in and interfere with that circle. And we don't put our business on blast. You know, we don't never down our members in public. You know what I mean? There's certain things that you don't do. So when you get to a point where you think you're above that, then you need to, to reel yourself in a little bit, change that up. Because I know plenty of people who ain't never joined no organization. And they know just as many people as I know. And they're just as influential as anybody you and I know. Do you know what I mean? So some of these organizations, man, you know, they're so secretive and they're so whatever. And it ain't just the Greeks. That's a whole bunch of different organizations. And you look at it and you go, man, what is this? We got a hundred different ways to separate from each other. <laughs> it's crazy. A hundred different ways to be separated. That's nuts to me, man. Well, as we come to the conclusion of episode three of this podcast, one thing I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to take a form of accountability because, you know, I, I spoke about things that I don't like and, yeah. and things that I've experienced. But I also believe in, you know, seek to be seek to understand and be understood. So yeah. the first thing I want to do, you know, in, in this process is I'm going to investigate and doing more talking to other people in other cultures to try to get an understanding of their perspective before I'm offended by their perspective. That's fair. I'm, I'm going to do the research. That's fair. That's fair. And that's the only way you're going to know. And, you know, since you And you're, they could be you know, wrong. Don't even no. Let's not get it twisted. I'm not though. saying I that. I might turn I'm not saying that. You right. You right. You right. It could go the other way still. I might not like it. Come out with Van Daddy's <laughs> and shit on Van as hell. <laughs> no, but I feel you. But, okay, so you're going to do that. And then to follow up with you, I think what I'm going to do, 
And what I've been doing uh, these past couple of years is just speaking. Like, I'm tired of walking into the room and not speaking to my own people. I'm tired of walking into a room and trying to figure out what status you're on before I before my conversation starts. I'm going to stay consistent, more consistent with who I am and continue to just speak. Either you're going to like me or you're not. But I'm not going to worry about where you are. I'm not going to treat you different because you got more money than me. I'm just going to walk in the room and I'm going to speak. And if it's real, then we're going to engage in a conversation and it might actually turn into a friendship. But there was a time where I would walk into a room because I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I got that gene. And I walk into a room and I go, little buddy, thank you something with his, his little pocket full of money <laughs> and his little Bentley part that's that. You know, you have like a little attitude with somebody's doing better than you. I went through that. I was a hater at one time, bro. I was a hater. I will own that. I was a hater. And because you get, you get frustrated because you don't got it yet, right? Then you see people that have it, they don't appreciate it. You get attitude. So coming to the conclusion of it, what I'm going to do is continue to speak. Regardless of what your status is and what you got and don't have, if you're the richest man in the room or the broker's room in the man, we're going to have a conversation. And then we'll figure out from there where the rest of it goes. I like your approach. Real. I, find I, I can see that. I'm maturing. <laughs> and you going to them first. So basically, you're giving them the opportunity to do the right thing because you've already broken the ice. If I ain't done nothing to you, you ain't got no reason not to like me. I could be a great dude. How do you know? And here's but one, I could be a jerk. And here's the one thing I'll say for them circles as we close there. I hope that these same people that kind of conform them last to, to feel like they got to be the type of person yeah. and, and toward certain people to succeed, if you live to be liked, you'll never be respected. Right. Boy, that's fine. They really don't like that's you. Fine. They really don't they like don't. you. They don't. They really don't. And speaking of like, not to cut you off, uh, hit the like button below and the subscribe button for the Real People Podcast. That was so corny, wasn't it? Right on time. It was. We appreciate y'all.